Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is illustrator, author, and folk musician, Timothy Renner. Tim's illustrations have appeared in the pages of various books, magazines, fanzines, and comics, as well as many record and CD covers. Since 1995, he has been making music both solo and with his band, Stone Breath. Timothy is the creator of Strange Familiars, a podcast concerning the paranormal, weird history, folklore, and the occult. He makes regular appearances on the paranormal radio show, Where Did the Road Go?, and has appeared as a guest on many other podcasts and radio programs, including Coast to Coast AM. Timothy, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Hello, Timothy. This is a treat. This is definitely a treat. As I told you earlier, I've spent the day, or at least the afternoon, listening to your music. Well, thanks so much. So I'm all in the Timothy mood. I, you know, I just, I had no idea that you did that. So it was, that's all new to me. I highly recommend people to go check it out. It's great. It's really fucking great. Well, thanks so much. I I did that for, I don't know, 20, I mean, I'm still doing it. I'm I'm about ready to release a Christmas album coming up here. But uh, the, uh, I I did that before I wrote books and before I did podcasts and and everything else. Um, So it's, it's kind of been you know, that's, that's been there uh, for a long time, almost to the point where I, I don't take it for granted. I don't take anything for granted. I absolutely love doing it. And uh, it's an essential part of me, but uh, it's, uh, um, I guess it's a different kind of response than you get. You know, if you do a podcast, you get almost, you know, kind of immediate feedback and so forth, where the, the music tends to be more of a slow burn, I guess. Yeah. I find with most creative people, like one of the most I don't want to say annoying, but when it's a hard question when people find out that you're just a creative person, um, you know, they want to hone in and say, well, what do you do? It's like I, anything I'm interested in. You know? uh, yeah. I mean, my hands are everywhere. So I like looking, looking for you on the internet and seeing all these facets that you actually put yourself into actively. So that was also said a lot about your character to me. Oh, hopefully uh, a lot of good things. (laughs) I've got a Tim Fest going, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) Sort of, and you're talking about handwork again, so. Oh, geez. (laughs) I know, right? It's that kind of day. So let's um, let's, let's talk about you, Timothy. All right. Take us back to your earliest, like, young you and, and what the world was like for you, how you experienced it, the stuff you were interested in. Uh, give us a little insight into your early life. Well, I didn't know it was folklore at the time, but I've always been interested in folklore. When I was a little kid, it was just cool stories. But I wanted to, I wanted to know where the the real stuff was, like where the real monsters were, where the real ghosts were. When I found out there were, you know, real ghost stories, and they weren't just stories in the books, but you know, the neighbor had seen a ghost. Uh, walking on the road, you know, followed him home one night and, and things like this. And that really got me fired up. The idea that, that there were these real mysteries out there, even as a, like a very little kid. So I, I grew up on a farm in rural Northern Maryland. Uh, it's, it's pretty idyllic setting for a kid to grow up. There were no kids my age in the neighborhood. I had older brothers and sisters, but they really, you know, they were so much older than me. They, they didn't want to hang out with me or anything or play with me so I spent a lot of time alone a lot of time in the woods just wandering around and uh, it was 
you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It sounds lonely, but it was beautiful and, and just a fantastic childhood. So what was like, what's the difference between you and your next oldest sibling? Uh, my sister is, I, th I think she's three years older than me, but uh, okay. we just, we had nothing in common. Like she was not yeah. interested in anything I was interested in. So, um, I like this loner aspect to you. And if I agree, I think a farm is fantastic, especially the more into this digital age we get, it just seems even seems, you know, the more, um, nature we can get around us is it's starting to feel exotic and I'm a nature person. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it kind of imbued in me this this love for the woods where uh, you know if I go too long where, where I don't get out in the woods I get like seriously depressed uh, hunting season I'm, I'm not a hunter uh, you know nothing against it whatever is you know as long as they're doing it with respect and etc cetera, etc cetera, but I just don't I'm, I'm not a hunter so uh, when I have to stay out of the woods for hunting season it's it's a it's like one of the hardest times of the year for me I agree. We have that out here and I'm always nervous, especially with my wolves. I just don't want anyone. We don't have to stay out necessarily, but it's wise. Yeah, um, that's it. I don't stay. I don't worry about archery so much, but during rifle uh, yeah. deer, deer season, I, I tend to stay out because uh, I'm a I'm a big uh, target. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just wise. Did you so back then, did you were you a fort making boy? I mean, forts, sure. I, I, yes. uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would ride my bike up and down the road. I, you know, I'd go out mostly. I spent time, you know, running through the woods with, uh, had a, a, a large half collie, half German shepherd that literally grew up with me. Uh, we got the puppy, got him as a puppy when I was in third grade and it just literally grew up. I mean, it, you know, it, he died when I was in college. So, oh wow! What was his name? His name was Barney, named after Barney Fife from the Andy Griffith Show. Oh, excellent! <laughs> you know, I'm forever not going to be able to see Barney Fife the same after the Peaches video. I have oh, a synchro on that too. I actually posted a picture of fucking Barney Fife today in in my work Slack, and I'm showing them right now. Look at that! Sucking on my titties. Four o'clock. <laughs> Peaches. Uh, it was yesterday, but still, I did it. Yeah, what are the chances? That it's a synchro, and and but also, like, if anyone knows Peaches in that video, it's awesome. I, I um, watched that video recently. It's the reason it came up in my YouTube feed. I was like, I had forgotten <laughs> that it was her dancing around the, the the Mayberry crew. I know it's so it's so wrong. Um, okay, so back to Young You. Did you? have anything like in pop culture that was inspiring you and and i mostly with this kind of thing i think of like the cartoons you may have been watching movies that affected you stuff like that um well i, I mean absolutely for the rest of my life there, certain things kind of stuck with me i i'd like to say i was born during the golden age of bigfoot and by that i mean the the patterson gimlin film had uh, been filmed a couple years before i was born Couple years after I was born, The Legend of Boggy Creek came out. Uh, In Search of was on TV. So these things just kind of fired me up again. It was the idea that there's, you know, these real mysteries were out there. And uh, I put that stuff away when I was, you know, I became a teenager and found girls and punk rock and so forth. But uh, I came back around as an adult. And, and uh, so I think it's been with me the whole time. I just, it was sleeping for a little while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, 
the oh man the hormones they do take <laughs> us astray <laughs> did you so all right back in this early period did you were you a dreamer at that time do you remember being having dreams or even nightmares yeah yeah i and some very specific dreams which i only recently and very recently i mean within the last couple of years tied this to uh some later uh, uh dreams of if if you will i you know uh dreams or not dreams of uh abduction experiences i i had later on in my life um but i had uh, one of the earliest dreams i can remember and it was a recurring dream i'd wake up and I knew no one else was awake in the house because when my parents woke up, my mom would go down and she'd start making breakfast and I could hear my dad downstairs, you know, rattling the newspaper and this and that. And there was, there was no sounds downstairs. So there was, well, there was no sounds of them downstairs. I'll say that. But uh, I heard three entities and for some reason I decided they were witches at the time. I don't know why. I just, I decided they were witches and that they were having some sort of Sabbath. And I'll, I'll get the reason why I knew about Witch of Sabbath in a bit. But, uh, uh, and they were speaking some language I couldn't understand, the, the three of them. So it was three distinct voices. They were in the room directly below my bedroom, I thought, just from the sound, the way the sound was traveling. And I knew that for, for whatever reason, I, I didn't want them to know I was awake. And uh, so I would just lay there and listen to this, these three entities whatever they were just talking in the, in this language i couldn't understand and uh pretty scary stuff for a little kid and how long did that was that a recurring dream for years really i i mean i i want to say from the time like i can't imagine that you know i could remember dreams any back any further back than when i was let's say three or four i don't know but i know was i was this still around three or four when it started I'm, and that's not, I'm just guessing, and I'm guessing it, it continued on until I was about 10. Now, not every night, you know, it, it would rarely happen, but, uh, you know, maybe a few, t couple, two, three times a year, I think up until, probably till I was maybe eight or 10, maybe. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Uh, um, did, were you brought up with a religion at all? Catholic. Oh, right. I used to see it. I didn't write that in my notes. Um. <laughs> That's interesting. So at that time, what was your relationship with things like witches and, and all the occult and all that kind of stuff? So there, really, were two, there were two major factors. There was a little local library near us that we would go to every week. My mom would go and, and I could get a book out every week. And for some reason, this library, which was about, I don't know, 10 to maybe, maybe 10, 20 feet square, it was a tiny little, tiny little like rural library. For some reason, they had a collection of encyclopedias called Man, Myth, and Magic. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that series. So the Time Life I series? I yes. It's a wonderful series of books. I don't think it's Tom Light, Time Life. I think it was, it was uh, I, I, I don't know the publisher. I still but. have them somewhere in a box. Yeah, I, I bought them as, as an adult just to, just to own. They're fantastic. It was fantastic books. But um, so I would get A out. And I'd take it home and I'd read it and go through it, you know, a hundred times in the week. And then, then the next week I get B out and on through Z and then I'd start back with A again. It was the only books I ever got that, that library and I just got them out over and over again. So they had stories in there about witches and witches Sabbaths and so forth. 
So there was that. And then there was a, a local boy had told me he was, he was a few years older than me, I, I guess probably four or five years older than me. And there was this old dead tree. And this really became almost a, a defining aspect of my childhood. There was this old dead tree alongside the road. And if you walk by it, which we often would because it was, there was a bridge over a creek uh, that we would, you'd have to walk by this, this tree to get to if you were taking the main road. But this, it was an old dead tree, and every time the wind blew or anything, it would just creak and creak and creak. And one day he told me, I, can't, I don't know how old I was. I was young, probably six, seven years old. And this older boy says, do you hear that? And I said, yeah. And he said, there was a witch hanged on that tree, and her soul got, is now inside that tree. And that creaking is, is her, that's her saying her spell is trying to get out of the tree. And this witch tree is what we called it in the neighborhood became this sort of defining feature of my, of my childhood. It, it, was, it was scary, but it was also this wonderful curiosity. You know, I, I loved it from the moment he told me the story. I've just always been attracted to stuff like that. And uh, it became this thing to be scared of, but fascinated by, and, and really became almost a sort of a reverent uh, kind of saint of my childhood in a way, this witch tree. Oh man, you're my kind of people. <laughs> I think um, I found that book. It's called uh, "Man, Myth, and Magic," an illustrated mm -hmm. encyclopedia by Richard Cavendish. Twenty-four volumes. Yeah, yeah, yes. now, th yeah. There were, there were other, like Kenneth Grant wrote stories in there, so that's where I first found out about Austin mm. Spare when, as a little yes. kid. As uh, a little kid, me too. Yeah, I, you know, and it was years later that I found out like that Austin Spare would become a, 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 you know, much bigger influence in my life. But then I saw the artwork and I went, I know this artwork. It was in Man, Myth, and Magic. And then, you know, of course, I made sense. I, I was exposed to early on. Timothy, I just had that realization with Austin Osmond Spare, like, I don't know, three years ago, I had one of the Cult of Sabotai books or, you know, Three Hints for Zoan and whatever, they're all the same. Um, and I'm like, I know this artwork. And I, I looked, I'm like, oh my God, no wonder. Um, that's, isn't that great that we got exposed to that so early? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think so. <laughs> Especially with stuff like Austin Osmond Spare, who's really coming into his own now, who's been really like almost invisible. So I don't know. Weird. What a great period of time. That's all I can think. Yeah. Um, okay. So in this period of time, also this young you, um, uh, what was your relationship to say, like the the outer world of people so like at school with your parents like that kind of stuff i think yeah i was just always the weird kid um you know the, the kid who was always drawing skulls and and werewolves and whatnot or you know and uh you know i was never i was unabashedly interested in that and in fantasy and stuff when i found you know, some kid introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons in elementary school, and I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh my goodness, this is." Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I remember there was a there was another kid who told me I was he was into Dungeons and Dragons for a while, and he told me I was going to go to hell unless I went to his church and got oh, saved. Geez. We had to burn all the Dungeons and Dragons books. I was really scared, you know. <gasps> like I, so I went to, uh, you know, but and I went home and and. Uh, I told my mom, and my mom 
uh, she, she always liked Dungeons and Dragons. She said your vocabulary like soared after you started reading those Dungeons and Dragons books. And she said, oh, it was a good thing. And I told her what this other kid said. And she said, it was, it was wonderful. So it's not to offend anyone. I won't say his particular religion, but she said, what, what religion was he? Is he? <laughs> and I said, and uh, she said, well, they being this particular religious, they are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was the perfect thing to say to ease a kid's mind. You yes. know what I mean? Like yeah. it, that was one of the most wonderful things my mom ever did. Cause I was legitimately like upset and worried about this. You know, I'm going to go to hell for playing this game with these demons in it. And uh, one dismissive little statement like that, my mom just kind of cleared it all up for me. It was it was quite wonderful. Great parenting. Honestly, I'm not I'm not being sarcastic at all. I think that was fantastic parenting. Mm-hmm. On my no, that's fan- that seriously is good parenting. That's what I mean. That's exactly what how I think I would handle it too. Especially if the child's upset and you know there's all this emotional stuff. You know I. I love Dungeons and Dragons for the dice and the figures. I had, it had me with that, those mm-hmm. aspects. And the role playing was where I'd always get a little, I was always a little off. Which is odd because you're an artist and imaginative. I know. And my, and my little group of nerdy friends that I had mm-hmm. um, were very, very good at that. But I was just very into the tactile. Like I wanted those figurines and I wanted the die, all the different die that would come out. Um, for me i always had like the, the the people who were really good at acting and would would like boldly go into their character i always found that difficult i could i'd always have to say well my guy's gonna do this i was never like fully in character <laughs> you got my dice bag right here Jerry, yes. uh, yeah i could never i've never really been an actor so it's it, i feel awkward with that kind of, like when I've been on stage intentionally for music stuff I've done, I've oftentimes like I wore veils. I was telling a friend this today. I wore veils. Um, so I'm kind of shy in that way. I know it doesn't seem that way. So, all right. So back here, when you're young with dreams, so you had this recurring dream. Also, did you have in context to, to, to dreaming like nighttime stuff? So when the night comes in, um did you have any fears like some of the typical things like the closet under the bed darkness i mean i i think uh, you know i was i had scared myself to death about you know bigfoot and and this and that but it was this wonderful kind of fear and i was never afraid to go out at night on the farm my my parents and i had an unspoken agreement and that was as long as i got good grades I could do what I wanted at night and I never had a curfew and I never had a bedtime my entire life. I remember being out at night on the farm by myself as young as probably seven or eight years old and staying out as late as I wanted roaming around. It's, it's just this unspoken agreement my parents and I had. Now my mom also had, you know, five other kids to worry about. So I think it was uh, in her mind, a bit of a relief that she just, you know, she didn't have to worry about me getting in trouble or anything. Uh, I was a, you know, I think I was a good kid, or at least I was good at not getting caught. But uh, the, uh, so I, 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 I was never afraid to just go out and, and wander through the woods or anything at night. They say the youngest kid, if there's a, a run of kids, always has the best. <laughs> They're like, yeah, great. well, I always say it was like, it's, it's like getting hit by a brick. And <laughs> by, the, by the time the sixth brick comes along, they're just numb. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. Just do what you need to do. We're trusting you're going to survive. Um, 
Yeah, I was, the, well, it was only two of us, so there are steps. So I was the oldest in Ufka. So, okay, in early in your dream life, did you experience sleep paralysis back then? No, not until my college years. College. And and so when I ask that, also I'm looking for anything that was similar. Like, um, I don't even know how to, I know there's language for it. I've, I'm, I actively, I know this, we do this every week, and I've been talking dreams my entire life, so I'm familiar with the vocabulary. But I actively try to stay away from some of the orthodox language i don't know what it is it's the rebel in me and um but there's that experience people have where you feel like your bot your whatever you are is bigger or smaller than your physical shell or you may sit down and it moves like you move down further or you spin um it's not liminal so have you had any of that stuff not to my knowledge. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, I, I've seen several different words for it. I, I don't know that anything actually describes my, my personal experience with it. Okay. So, oh, and then also, what sign are you? Do you know anything Virgo. about your chart? You're a Virgo sun? Oh, I, I don't know that much about it. I, yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I was born September 3rd, so, you know. Okay, cool. That's just like that fun back stuff we get. And then also, like, do you know if you're RH negative? I am. Oh, okay. We got another RH right here, negative. And I, I only found out that recently because my wife said, uh, according to our children's blood type, she's like, you have to be, you have to be negative. So, um, oh, wow. That's interesting. See, it's cool. So a lot of people don't know. Did she have to get extra shots? I think... In order to carry a baby of an RH negative male, she has to have special shots or something during during the pregnancy. It depends on her blood type, I think. Right, right. If she's not RH negative, which is kind of implied by that statement. Did they know this when we were little? I don't know if like. Oh yeah. So they've always known that. Yeah, I mean they have. Uh, so. Uh, I, I you know I don't remember her getting special shots. I I think it's only certain blood types. I don't maybe you know, I don't yeah. know. But the fact that our children have negatives and she is a positive would have to mean that that I'm I'm negative. I think. But it's, what I'm saying about the shots, Jerry, is like, what about like a hundred years ago, or two hundred years ago, or three hundred years? Yeah, ago? people died then. Okay. In childbirth, the the Rh negative eggs would eat the non Rh negative sperm. It would like absorb it. That's what I read. I don't know if it's true. Interesting. I know so little about it except for some of the stuff that's coming out. Except the people with RH negative blood are more psychic. <laughs> Supposedly. I, I, I don't know how I go on that one. I mean, I know there's been a lot of. Okay. Uh, how, about, how about let's go with you're more tuned into the environment, which can manifest mean, as being psychic. Maybe. I, you know, I, I'm very cautious about assigning anyone's superpowers over anyone else. It's not a superpower. Um, at all. <laughs> it's, it is weird because I went my whole life. I didn't really, you know, I just knew I was the universal donor. And until recently, I didn't think anything was different about it, I, but it, I find it interesting now. So I've just got an open ear to it. Um, okay. So, and then moving ahead, let's move to like, um, 
I, I want, only because I'm curious about Barney. So I want to move maybe up to that period. When Barney passed, did you, have you seen him in dreams? Did he let you know he was going? Especially since you had a close relationship with him. I, I have dreamed about him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how many times, but I know I have dreamed about him. Yeah. Did it, did anything, did you, okay. So first of all, did you have dreams that before he passed that he was going to pass? No, no. He, he, um, so, you know, we grew up on a farm. We didn't set boundaries for him. He was just a super loyal dog and, and he never ran away. Um, he was just there and one day he wasn't and I could see him on a, on a hill uh, very far away, but I could just barely make him out. And I called and called and called and he sort of begrudgingly came back. And then it wasn't a few days after that, that he just, he just disappeared for good. So I think, um, I think he knew he was going and, uh, and he, he went away, which dogs will do. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. a, you know, yeah, uh, but I, I was, you know, I didn't think I knew he was getting older. He was getting a little slower and stuff, but I, and I was in no way uh, kind of tuned in or prepared for his death in any way. It, it's it always interests me. So when you've seen Barney in dreams, what do you have anything that comes up you can give us an example of? I I I just remember very distinctly running with him, and uh, there's a certain field beside the barn that uh that we spent a lot of time in i remember a, a dream a very very vivid dream of just you know i just running in that field i like that yeah the the animals interest me a lot it's um but I, it doesn't surprise me that he stayed around though both those breeds the collie and shepherds are both so loyal yeah and um i mean this is this is neither here nor there but i I think he was a homosexual, um, just from the way he acted. So I, he didn't run off when, when girls were in heat. I don't think. <laughs> I love that. We had dogs after him who who would you know we didn't get fixed and uh, and well we eventually we did because he kept running off. Yeah. And, but Barney, we never he we never got fixed, but he 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 didn't run off. I think dogs That's are hilarious. bisexual myself. Barney wasn't feeling that call to the wild like the other one. Yeah, no, I think he was. I, I, I mean, I think he just happened to be gay. Oh, bless his heart. I love Barney. <laughs> I don't even know him, but I just love him. Uh, um, Do gay dogs okay. have beards? <laughs> Dude. Okay, so, all right. So when you went, um, okay, so from your young life to say like your. Um, I guess we can just move forward. So at what point, first of all, did you, have you hit lucidity, high lucidity in the dreamscape at all? No. And my wife will give you the reason for this, which I think is very funny. She says it's because I'm, I'm ready to believe because I believe in Bigfoot and all this other stuff. She's like, you'll never be, be a lucid dreamer because you're ready to believe. So you know, nothing seems out of place to me, no matter how weird it gets in a dream, she says. So, and there may be something to that. I don't know. I I like that stance, actually. You know, again, it says, it says how open you are. Um, but there is, there definitely is, it's definitely an experience, you know. Um, okay, so like in, later on, moving forward, probably about the time 
10 years old or so when you stopped having the reoccurring dreams with the witches. Um, did you, since then, have you had reoccurring dreams? Other ones? Uh, I mean, for a while I was having um, these sort of ab abduction uh, things um, in college uh, with the greys and, and all that. So never the exact same dream, but, uh, you know, similar aspects to those. And then uh, in recent years, I actually do. I have a dream about it, this underground complex that goes on for miles and miles that was it's it's abandoned and you can get into it through these certain there's these certain areas that you can kind of climb down into it and uh it's like an, it was being used for like a high school or something so there's there's a bunch of like chair you know chairs and desks and so forth in there but it's completely abandoned and uh I, that i have a dream about that you know here and there um, that's, that, as that's a real place where you've been no no okay. no it's completely just dreamed it up and I keep keep going back there for some reason. <laughs> you you are familiar with like the my lab what's called my lab phenomena or uh military abductions M I L A B. Oh, I mean I know it's a thing, yeah. Yeah, and they take them to underground bases. Mm. <laughs> Fun. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's a rabbit hole. <laughs> Um, okay, so I I, I want to dive into I want to actually get into a little bit of that underground complex, but after, if we may talk about the abduction dreams, do you can you give us some of the imagery in them? Yeah, I, I mean, so they they started with sleep paralysis, where I would wake up and you know I'd be wouldn't be able to move, and I'd think it started. Um, so I was in college, I was living in the basement of my girlfriend's mother's house. I was basically in the basement um, there. The basement was mine, essentially my, my apartment. And uh, I thought people were walking around the outside of the house. And uh, so I started asking, I was like, oh, did you, did you hear those, those people outside? They were you know, walking around the house last night and no one, no one heard him. You know? And this happened several times. And then it got to the point where I'd wake up and I'd feel like, somebody was in the room with me and you know, I was sure of it. And at this point I was, I was still like thinking that it must be people walking around outside at night and talking. And it's kind of getting into my dreams. So I move my bed to an interior room with no window. I thought, well, that, that'll, that'll fix it hopefully. And that's when things got really intense. And I, the most vivid one I remember is waking up and there were three figures to my right uh, standing by the bed and they were dressed in surgical gear and they were doing something to me and what they were doing, I do not know, but I was very angry. I was very upset and I, I remember I, I couldn't speak or, or say anything. I was trying to scream. I was trying to yell. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't move. And I remember thinking, and it wasn't exactly this. I know this has been twisted because I, this is in a, I've never read any Streber's book, but I, I know it, he talks about this. I've heard other people talk about uh, this, but I, I said something akin to you can't do this or you, you don't have the right. And they s did not speak. It, it just came into my head. Um, 
and they they said something to the effect of of yes we do or of course we do or something like that it was very dismissive of of uh my feelings or anything like that uh i fell asleep woke back up several times throughout the night and they were there every time and finally i woke up screaming and throwing a punch in their direction as sort of a backhand as hard as i could in the direction of those things and i screamed at the top of my lungs i i, I have a loud voice when i want to um absolutely let out you know the, the loudest yell ever and it, it was morning at this point um i i think too early for anyone to be up but early enough to, for there to be some some light coming in and uh they you know of course nothing was there in the morning i very sheepishly went up the steps and apologized you know I, there were six or eight people no six people i think six one two three four five five or six people depending on, i don't i'm not sure if her grandmother was alive at this point five or six people lived upstairs and uh i went up to apologize because I, mean, I was sure i woke them up i was, was so loud and not one of them had heard me scream which i found really bizarre but at this point i knew nothing about abductions i knew the the only thing i knew was this is around the time streber's communion came out and i saw the book in bookstores and i I hate I hated the cover. I had a real aversion to the cover, that gray on the cover. I didn't want anything to do with it. I would walk and say, Oh, I just I, I hate that. That's the only thing I knew about it. And then months and months and months later, I was watching a TV show, it was one of these nighttime news shows, and they had something on this alien abduction phenomenon. And I, I wanted to watch just because I'm interested in, you know, weird stuff, not because I thought it was happening to me. And it was either a reenactment or they had someone had drawn pictures of these grays and and to accompany their story and what they described was so much like what happened to me but when i saw these these grays it was as if the surgical outfits just fell away from them and i could see perfectly clearly that it, it wasn't they weren't wearing surgical outfits they were they were grays that were staying next to my bed uh many years after that i would come to find this is called a screen memory and it, it, it's happened to a lot of people uh but that was you know that was the, by far the most intense experience um and you know i had a couple after that i can remember and uh i think a couple before but that was that's the one that really stuck that's that's intriguing and so they did have that classical look to them oh yeah yeah very much the typical kind of big head black eyes gray skin mhm mm that's I can't help but notice the different the correlation between the three of those and then you had the three witches too. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was only it, and only very recently did I make that connection. I was, you know, sort of writing down this memory of this old dream. I was like, oh wait, there were three of them and they were speaking in an unknown language. Oh my gosh. You know? Yes. It's it's really significant. Do you think that it's do you think you were abducted? I don't think I ever left my bed, um, but that doesn't mean I wasn't abducted. Right. I, that doesn't actually answer the question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't think I, you know, my physical body ever left my bed. I, I was very happy when I, I, at some point I got to talk to Mike Clellan. And when I said that, he said, that's exactly the way I say it. He said, I don't think I ever left my bed. I was like, oh, it, it's so much validated uh, what I had experienced when I talked to Mike. 
but uh yeah i mean i think somehow some way you know they they were coming to me for whatever reasons Uh, and uh there's another experience i remember this is going forward uh my kids were born at this time so this was you know maybe 13 14 years ago i remember uh i woke up so to speak in a desert excuse me i was laying on my back i was looking up i couldn't move but i knew it was a desert i could kind of you know i could see the 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 surroundings enough within my peripherals to know it was a desert and two guys kind of lean over me from above and they were wearing like world war one those leather fighter helmet kind of mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. like Snoopy and the Red Baron kind of mm-hmm. helmets and I'm looking at them go that is weird like why are they wearing those you know and they had the goggles on and stuff and as I'm looking at them I thought wait those aren't goggles that's their eyes and then it, it's like those immediately faded away I could tell they were grays and they said in unison just both of them in unison at the same time and this was they actually said out loud they said we are the ones who take you oh man and then I woke up in my bed. Like, the, well, the next thing I knew, I woke up in my bed. It was, it was very, very creepy. I, I, when you were telling that story, I immediately was brought back to the opening scene of Close Encounter. See, and I've never seen that either. I don't, I don't particularly like alien stuff. Like, so I don't watch a lot of it. I don't read Strieber's books because why be creeped out? Uh, I, like, I'm, not, I'll go, yeah. I'll run after Bigfoot all day long, but Grays, I don't, I really don't want anything to but do with them. I don't think they're alien. <clears throat> Was that? I don't think they're aliens. So. Oh no, I use aliens. As a sure. I use aliens as a shorthand term, so people yeah. kind of know what. So you're people understand about. what you're talking about, no, I right? Got, I we, totally get that. Point. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah but I, you should watch like the you're... first five minutes of Close Encounters because it describes a desert with <laughs> all the sandstorm, and then the dude comes out with like that, the whole 1940s uh, leather helmet goggles kind yeah, of the thing. bomber jacket, yeah. all of it. Wow. Yeah, I've I've never seen it. It's crazy. So that I find this extremely creepy. I can understand why you wouldn't want to dive into that subject matter in say cinema and literature because obviously it's close. Yeah, I mean for years I didn't want to know. I had I had kept uh during the time where it was most intense when I was in college, I had bought a sound activated cassette recorder mm-hmm. and I was putting it under my bed and leaving it on. And I did this for about a week and I, I played the tape back and I was so mentally not prepared for what was on that tape. I took the tape out and threw it in the garbage and never recorded myself again. It was now right now I'd pay, I'd pay hundreds of dollars to have this tape because it, it would mean the world to me to have it now. Like now I'm ready for it. I would, I would be able to, you know, listen to it but at the time i just was not it was it was just one of those nope moments uh it was a series of electronic beeps and and buzzes and and bloops and so forth and me crying out no and that's all that was on that tape holy crap yeah it was scary compelling timothy compelling it's funny this is i was just reading um a friend of a friend of the show's bb her blog about missing time and there was tonal a tonal thing through her cell phone um i'd i mean that's that's astounding this is astounding stuff and you've never felt the need to dig into this further 
Well, I, you know, I wanted to possibly be regressed. And then uh, Jeff Ritzman uh, sort of came at me hard in a good way. I, I love Jeff, but he, he basically uh, convinced me that, that probably uh, getting regressed is, is not necessarily the way to do it. Um, you know, he said the, the way to do it is to maybe to put yourself back in those places as best you can uh, where this was happening and see if, you know, go there and, and, and try to bring back the memories in a, in a more organic way, I guess. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to do that because most of this was in Maryland and uh, I, I just, I don't have access to, to the, you know, the properties. So this is, this is actually, and this is illustrating one of the main reasons, I think, um, for me at least, why we have been asking about the, the RH negative blood, because there's an association there and that's, it's in the woo, it's all in the woo, right? Um, but there is a, there's a deep association there with these experiences and RH negative people. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, it's interesting. So you say you are, and then here's all this. And of course, it's, you know, it's amazing. You mentioned earlier, and I don't know if I heard this correctly. Did you say clone? I, I don't believe so. Okay. Yeah, I, I heard. I thought I heard you say clone. <laughs> I asked my clone. I don't know if that was like. No, Mike Cleland. Oh, Mike Cleland. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounded like clone, and I had. Oh, that would be amazing if I if I could ask my clone <laughs> questions. I, I it's would, like, what's be... this? I'm really super intrigued now. You have a clone. Uh, <laughs> and then wait, wait, what did I miss? <laughs> I thought he said clone earlier, and so it was Mike Cleland, and oh, so okay. I had written clone question mark, and so in, in this story, which was like, oh, I just had flashes like Donald Marshall stories. Um, also, okay, so with all this too, with, you know, this kind of experience being tied into arch negative people, it's also heavily associated with um, Irish and Indian, American Indian. Do you have those roots at all? Uh, I have some Irish. Um, there, was, there was legends in my family that, uh, that there was Native American in the family and uh, having done the DNA that is not correct. We did not have any, so, uh, but there is Irish. It's amazing how the DNA clears that up. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, if, if everyone, every white person who claimed to have Cherokee blood did. Uh, <laughs> the it, Cherokee's the joke, you know that, right? Yeah. Pocahontas. Yeah. Well, it's just like, I mean, cause my mom is, I mean, you, can, you could look at her. I mean, there's just no doubting that she was Native. Um, but it was always like the joke that everyone that's every white person that says they've got Native Americans Cherokee. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it was like the share movement. I don't know what happened. And I, I think, I mean, sadly, I think it's a way to cover up maybe some, some other uh, um, races that might be in the mix. Yes. It was easier to say there's there's Native American in there than maybe there was African American or or Yeah. Uh, well people American. are weird at what they're Ashkenazi focus on. Jew. Yeah. It's it's all weird. This is why I do like the I'm like on the board with DNA testing. I think because it's we don't actually have control then, even though they say we do. And so I'm suspicious of that. But on the good side, on the good side of all tech, which is what I try to focus on, it's really great to clear that kind of stuff up. And um, it also releases us in a strange way to, 
to like these fam familial and family mythos, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it's interesting to see that, like, for people who are anti this or anti that, to see in their DNA that they actually have that in them. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A little serve back. Okay. So, all right. So, moving from the abduction dreams, and, and when was when was the last time you had one, by the way? So I had an almost one, I want to say in the past, in the past year, uh, I have it marked in my dream journal here. I have a bunch of them marked in case you were asking me. Let me try to find. Uh, I love wait. that you've listened to our show, by the way. Thank you. Okay. So this would have been, uh, oh, almost a year ago. So uh, December 23rd, 2017, um, I was on a very particular hill there's a very high hill and it's a park here called high point park i was there with my wife and we were riding saucer sleds and then for some reason we decided to just kind of go and and lay down on the top of the hill and look up at the sky and when we did uh there was something in the sky and it looked at first like like a radiator it was it was uh looked like it was kind of powder coated you know metallic kind of brownish metallic brown and i'm like what is that and then as soon as i noticed it it came down it just filled the entire sky so it was a, some sort of craft and i felt that that uh, strange feeling of locking up and and not being able to move coming on and uh i i um so my relationship with Catholicism is very, very interesting. Uh, and at some point in my adult life, I decided to stop fighting it and incorporate it into uh, my other sort of beliefs. And it's been a very powerful thing for me because these are very deep uh, set images. And, and, and I do connect, especially with, with Mary, the Blessed Virgin, uh, on some level. Um, and I don't care. I, I've, I've come to a point where I've told them, like I tell my wife, I don't care if she was a real person, if she's represents the goddess, if uh, if she's just a symbol. It doesn't even matter to me because it, it you know, it, I just have this relationship that works. So whatever, it doesn't matter. I love and her. When I, when I came to that point, it was a very freeing thing for me. It was a very very beautiful kind of freeing moment. And but anyway, I rolled over on my stomach and started. So I it wasn't facing this craft and started saying the Hail Mary. And I woke up face down in bed, saying the Hail Mary in, into my bed. Uh, so that was the last sort of like almost uh, abduction thing I had. Can you, this is compelling. Um, and again, I'm, I'm with you on Mary. I have Mary all over my house. I'm a big old witch. I think that, you know, Hail Mary. Um, so the craft that, came down closer and filled the sky what do you have more details on what it looked like it looked like a like a heating vent or something it looked like a almost like a radiator or, or you know it, it was uh you look like an old you know an old kind of steam radiator being in an old house it looked like that kind of metallic brown but it just all of a sudden it just took up the whole the whole sky did you have a moment of thinking it was the sky at some point and and then it was revealed or was it so from the image i'm getting it was smaller and then it got larger 
Yeah, it was it higher. Came... It was higher in the sky, and then yeah. it, just, it dropped down very, very close. I did, you know, in an instant, it seemed like, um, and suddenly, you know, it's just filling up like my entire field of of vision, pretty much, as far as looking up into the sky. And the um, the reason I'm asking is very similar to an experience I had also in a dream. Um, and so, and then also it felt, it did, so it, I'm gathering it felt nefarious if you had to call Mary. Well, you know, I, I've, I had read many times that you can, you know, they say you, you can pray the gray away, um, <laughs> which, um, and, and I'm very careful about the way I phrase this because people get very upset because they think I'm telling them the real religion is wrong. And I'm not saying that they've done experiments and it doesn't seem to matter who you pray to. In other words, uh, Christians have as much result as Jewish people, as, right, right, as Muslims, as Wiccans and, and going down the line, it has something to do with belief. And yes. that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean your religion's wrong, but I think people like the idea of something like this confirming their religion, they get very upset at me when I say these things. I'm not saying your religion's wrong. Your religion could be the right religion. I don't, I don't know. I'm only saying that I think it responds to belief. Uh, yes, a lot of this stuff responds to belief. Uh, so, and I had other experiences um, that were, I mean, not quite dreams. This was a, a, um, a very, very vivid um, fever hallucination kind of thing. I, I had uh, one day where I had a, a a vision of of uh, Mary interceding uh, for me in in the face of uh, I, I didn't see the grays that day. I could hear them, and uh, it, it was very, very intense. Um, sort of, like I said, it was a, it was a waking hallucinatory thing. I was I had a super high fever and and a bad reaction to dehydration and so forth. And uh, that came on. So I'd had this experience with sort of Mary and another experience when I was on Salvia as well, where, where I had a vision of Mary um, relative to UFOs and so forth. Uh, so I, I had this experience of, of this Mary as the sort of uh, protectrix uh, against these things. So when I saw this ship and, and I was like, man, I'm, this is going to be an abduction thing. That's when I just like, well, I'm, I'm going for Mary and, uh, and said the Hail Mary. And, you know, I did, I had no, nothing else, you know, than that. When you say you heard the, the grays, what, can you describe that? Um, so this was, like I said, I, I was badly dehydrated and, and I had a reaction to medicine I was on at the time. And I was laid up on, on the couch. This is in our, our old house. Um, it was a small kind of Cape Cod house and I could hear just kind of more like a scratching uh, like movement in the other room where I couldn't see, but for somehow it was like, I just knew it was them. I think I must've been freezing up or, or getting to that point where it was almost like sleep paralysis. And I just, I just knew it was them. It wasn't so much that I, that I heard voices or, or, you know, anything else. I just, I just had this intuitive, you know, dread that it was, it was uh, them. And so, and then say in the scope of your, um, in the scope of your life, dream or waking, have you experienced the auditory stuff before that seemed like it was 
an autonomous? Um, o- only in as much as, like I said, those those witches when I was young. Um, but those were in a dream. Yeah, I mean, well, I thought I had woken up. You know what I mean when yeah. I heard them. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that was a sleep paralysis thing or not. Um, when I was young, but you know, as far as in waking time, no, um, I don't think so. So, okay. Okay, cool. There's so much I want to touch on with this subject. I'm going to just leave it. It's beautiful. Um, man, I want to dig into that anyway. So, all right. So moving back to move forward underground, the underground complex and Jerry got into that a little bit. Um, so this was recurring also. Yeah, and that's more recent. That, that's some, like, you know, I want to say I've had that dream within the last year easily. Do you, okay, so moving back again. So we understand, so we get kind of a sense of, so in the outer world and possibly why the three witches popped up and say like if we were doing like just normie conversation, right? Um, the books you were reading, and then the alien abduction stuff kind of fits in. And so what a year ago do you think, it, and I'm saying, I'll just cover all the bases. Um, in your day side life could have brought up such imagery. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I, the, in the dream, it was obvious that, that even though no one was supposed to be there, that, that someone was living in the space uh, you could tell and i've always been sort of fascinated with with you know the the sort of off-grid uh thing that the hermits are a big fascination of mine so you know maybe maybe that plays into it um the idea of there there being this abandoned place that that someone's actually living in so all right and then can you give us some give us some imagery around this now so how many have you had and um and also so i'm looking for the vibe and as much of the dream architecture as you can recall oh my goodness so it's it takes place in sort of an undefined rural area that's partly wooded and partly fields but like fallow fields they're not they're not taken care of and there's two entrances to this place um one i think and I'm just going to say it's to the south, just because it feels like it's to the south. And that, that one's more, I think, more like a, almost like a cave entrance, but but more, you know, uh, constructed, like, like like man-made. And that's not the way to get in. But you always have to go into the woods and climb down into it, to this other place, if, if you don't want to get caught. And that's the way I go. And, and it it seems very rustic, like you're you're climbing into an old well or something, until you get down into it. And then it's quite, you know, it seems quite sturdy and quite safe. This this sort of underground facility. It's not dark, but I don't think that there are. Uh, it's illuminated by by man-made lights, so I think it's it's sort of a a dream logic going on there, where I can see in the place, but I don't, you know, it's not like we turn on lights or anything. Um, it's laid out in a almost like a long straight hallway with rooms to either side and like i said it seems to have been uh mostly like a high school or something it has like school school desks 
and you know the kind of desk like a teacher would have and then there are some there's some couches and things it looks like people maybe somehow drug in there and whoever was kind of living in there and i don't know if it was a single person or a small group of people that were living in there but it's, you know, it's very obvious there's you know some candles around and like i said these couches and you know some of their possessions before and yet you haven't encountered anyone no, no, it's 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 always whoever I went with. Like in, in the most recent one that I have in uh, in my journal, it was my wife accompanied me. And does your wife have any? Did she has this split over into her dream world? I don't know. Has this split over? I'm going to ask her right now. Has this split over into your dream world? This underground facility that I that I dream of. She dreams of empty houses. She says, but not underground oh, facilities. Okay. Well, sometimes, it, you know, especially partners, um, this stuff can bleed into each other's space. So, but I just wrote that down also, empty houses. Uh, um, I love your page here. That I'm reading. <laughs> um, okay. So the, in the feeling though, when you're in this space, what does it feel like? It's, I mean, it's generally, I'd like so I've been in plenty of abandoned houses and there's always a you're always worried about falling through the floor that's the big one for me like yeah. when I go into these abandoned houses I'm just I'm gonna fall through the floor or something there's not that kind of worry but there is a worry of being caught you're always kind of like a little on edge like you know the authorities are going to come and and find us here but uh structurally there's there seems to be no you know no worry about that with this place and so there's is there a feeling you'll get caught or you'll run into someone? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, that, that sort of worry. Like, oh, you know, I'm not sure how long we should stay down here because, you know, we might get caught or someone else might be here. And does it feel like, even though, so the imagery I get, like, it seems like people may have just been there. Does there feel like they were just there? Like your presence made them hide, perhaps? perhaps that or you know yeah that they were there recently it's like you know within a few nights that's what it feels like 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 you know and they, they could come back and sleep there that night too you know they, they decide. interesting these are juicy uh, um i love it okay so i wanted to touch on sleep paralysis because i keep hearing a lot of that you know what so what is your general experience with it you, you've given us a couple good examples yeah the, i mean that's those are, you know, other than that, that period where I was in college where, like I said, it was happened repeatedly and it seemed to like amped up, and amped up, amped up until that major kind of scary abduction thing. I, I haven't had it too much since then. Um, after college, I moved back to the farm for a little while. I think once or twice there, I might have had it. And then uh, once or twice in, in the old house. And then, like I said, this, this dream I had last year with the whatever craft that was that filled up the sky. It seemed like it was going to happen. It seemed like it was headed that way, but I, I, I averted it, I think. Did you, and this, it's good your wife is there because this is almost a question for the spouse. Um, do, you, does, do you make a lot of noise? Do you fidget? Do you sleep talk, sleepwalk? I snore, I know that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a tosser and turner, right? She says I grind my teeth and I toss and turn, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's see that stuff's always interesting to me. Um how much is how much is going on? Um 
was your wife around when you were having the 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 alien dreams the abduction dreams no because uh i'm a snorer so we we actually don't sleep in the same room <laughs> the, the, okay when i was having the ones in college she she wouldn't have been there i i, I do remember telling her about them um and then um but uh you know after that after after we had kids pretty much we we kind of we sleep in separate rooms yeah oh yes yeah, snoring will do that <laughs> have, have any of your kids had these dreams my son now i'm not sure how much i can it's, these are his stories but he yeah, has told me he, he's had uh sleep paralysis and he's he's more uh i, I guess skeptic and reasoned like his mother and he he writes it off you know as, as only a dream even though he's seen entities and uh I, I i'm begging him to tell it you know at least on my podcast he won't do it he's like nah, i'm not gonna do that so but he has had sleep paralysis he, he approaches it very methodically and, and very calmly he says he enjoys the experience he oh, interesting. It an, an interesting experience uh so that's i guess that's the best w case scenario i guess if he's going to have it but there's a lineage there that's interesting yeah, yeah, I, I am aware that uh, <laughs> that uh, these things supposedly follow through families. Well, there are H negative kids too. Yeah, um, one of them is at least. Yeah, that's um right. I have that's in the back of my head. Very, and this is a juicy, juicy show. Uh, um, okay, so back to so just in general, let's get your general um the architecture of the dreamscape in general for you and so um aside from reoccurrent stuff which always seems to really stick out and be a little more vivid just because the fact that things are happening again and again even if they're a little bit different what is the you know tactile smell feel touch um color black and white the what does this dreamscape generally look like for you it's always color um to me, it always feels very, very real. That's the, the, my wife's right on that front. I'm, I'm ready to believe, I guess. So I always, I'm always there, and it always just feels, you know, very real. I have a lot of dreams about animals. Um, I have a, a lot of dreams where I'm, you know, I'm in the woods, or, or I'm in nature, or, or on the edge of nature. Maybe I'm at a, you know, at a farmhouse, or, or. Uh, uh, in a field or something, these liminal spaces between between civilization and nature. Um, but uh, you know, I, it's hard for me to tell when I'm dreaming. I guess which makes it makes it hard to uh, to get to that place where I'm I'm in lucidity there. So one of the things that I'm I'm always interested in hearing more about are animals and dreams. Do you have any? Um, can you share any of that content with us? Yeah, I marked one. I got a bunch of them marked here in my journal. If I'm not great at remembering my dreams, if I don't, uh, if I don't write them down, I will forget them. And I'm I'm not great. I, that's about really common, man. You know, I'm not great. I about think that's the general. Most people are. Um, but I I do. Okay, let me. I mark them all here. It was two black panthers being chased by a black bear. If I can find the 
the actual dream because uh I remember the the wording was uh was particularly interesting I thought. Ah, I can't find it here. I'm gonna I, I don't wanna take up too much of your time looking for it. Well, that's interesting in and of itself. So what time period do you think this was? Uh, th this would have been in 2017 when I had this. Oh, thing. recent. Okay. Yeah, most of these, the, the, the journal, I had stopped uh, dream journaling for many years. I used to, when I was in college and uh, when I was involved more heavily with the occult. Um, and then I stopped for years. Just I just, you know, I had kids and just got, you know, other things. Yeah, of uh, course. Going on. And uh, the, um, I, so I only picked up again somewhat recently. I'm when, sorry. but you know, it's, it's still great. It's still a prompt. Like it doesn't, uh, it seems like there's so many people like beat themselves up over it. It's, we get a chance every night, you know, it's like almost like dieting, how people go about dieting. Right. <laughs> You know, tomorrow's another day. Um, oh, so he, okay. So I found you it. You found it? Yeah. Yeah. So this is from uh, the 9th of November, 2017. I was on a Bigfoot expedition with James and James. Those are the sometime co-hosts of uh, my podcast. I was walking down a wide path or an access road, which is cut between two cornfields. The corn was a dark green. It was very high. I looked up a row in the corn and I saw a black panther come out. At first I was just in awe and happy to see it, but it turned its head and saw me and started running my way. I tried to run, but the panther burst from the corn. It was being chased by another panther, which in turn was being chased by a huge black bear. I got the feeling that the bear was protecting me. I called for the other people, but I don't think they heard me. I tried to run in their direction, but panthers and bear again burst through the corn in front of me. And then I, I wrote down, down uh, that, Perhaps the bear was chasing both panthers instead of one panther chasing the other. That's that was just my my thought, I guess, after waking up. So when you retell it, when you're reading it and retelling it, does the imagery come back into mind at all? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Now some of these they don't. Like some of these, as I was going through, you know, sort of marking the more interesting ones for for tonight. I was like, oh, I don't remember that at all. I do not remember that at all. But this one in particular, I, I, I do remember the, uh, particularly the, the bear was huge. I mean, it was you know, bigger. Black bears we get around here are usually pretty, pretty spindly. This was, this guy was, you know, probably up Wait, to my grizzly chest. Grizzly size? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Is there, um, so with that one, was there, were you having like an adrenaline rush? Were you, was it scary? Um, I think at first, and then, but like I said, I was under the impression that the bear was was somehow protecting me from these panthers, and then it be, just became this almost like you know this show sort of thing. I felt you know as long as the bear was there, I was going to be okay. I'm again intrigued by the three. Mm -hmm. This is a theme, yeah. of course. Oh, Trinity. <laughs> Trinity, right. But also in, in, say, if we were looking at this strictly from, say, like in a, a Jungian sense, there's significance there, too. Um, but this stuff is just so fantastic. Um, it's, it's just really wonderful to connect these dots. Um, and so in general, with uh, animals, are they, so this is, this is just kind of a broad stroke since you're going to have to call upon a feeling 
I guess, are they usually, is there usually like this element of you're being chased or are they friendly? Is it a mixed bag? It's a mixed bag, definitely. What, okay, and so sticking with animals, what about water creatures and water? I hadn't, I didn't mark it, but I did read it. Um, I had a dream where my wife and I were sitting at the edge of a swamp and there were, there were alligators that kept coming up to us. And uh, I, I sort of, I wasn't kicking them. I was like sort of just pushing them away with my feet. Like, like, all right, get away. You know, too close kind of thing. Uh, So there's that. Um, That's the only one that I can recall off the top of my head. Hello. Oh, I didn't realize I was mute. I'm over here talking. (laughs) So when I ask you this question, just tell me what comes to mind. Deep water. Uh, Oceans. Ocean. Okay. Yeah, because I'm just curious with the the water and the animals I'm on. This is a track I'm on right now. Um, Okay, cool. Also, I'm curious, since you brought some dreams, will you share what you've actually yeah prepared yeah sure yeah um i just marked some of the more interesting ones um so this is from october 4th of 2017 i was watching three wizards who look somewhat like animated film characters they look rotoscoped if you know what that is the way they used to do animation in the 70s and i said uh one of the three looked very primitive all three were working toward the same end i was not sure what it was Two were armed with staffs, but the primitive wizard broke a Y-shaped branch off the tree to use as a dousing rod. And that was, that was all I had for that one. Um, interestingly enough, I had started dousing somewhat before then. Yeah, you also never went back to explain how you knew the um, Witch's Sabbath was. Oh, from those Mammoth and Magic books. Okay. Yeah. And so you basically front loaded yourself with all that stuff, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> no, it's cool. This is one from a very similar time. It was 10, uh, October 15th, 2017. There was some kind of weird severed head, which I was using for some sort of divination. Someone put a blonde wig and makeup on it in an effort to make it look like Marilyn Monroe, but it was horrifying and ugly. The head would speak and rotate when used in divination. These are amazing. <laughs> These are absolutely fantastic. I want, I want, this is, this should all be in like a graphic novel. <laughs> so uh, this is from December 19th of last year. Very dark dreams all night. I was in a world full of ghosts and one grabbed me from behind. Then I was watching, watching Charles Manson being taken to the electric chair. Then I became Charles Manson in the electric chair and woke up when they pulled the switch. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not sure what to do with that one. Okay, wait, so pause. I have a question on the one with the wig and the Oracle, like, experience. Did she give you any information? If she did, I didn't write it down. Um, I, I wish I would have, because that, be, that would be wonderful. And then on this Manson one, um, so he... 
go into the chair, what was the switch like when it went from your viewing him to being him? You have a fe- or memory of the feeling of that? Just instantly. And I've done this before. Like, I remember years and years ago, and this was before I was even writing books on Bigfoot. I remember having a dream about watching a film on Bigfoot and they, they were showing this sort of family of Bigfoot that were being filmed from a helicopter. And then just instantly I became one of these creatures. I was like in its body. I was, you know, and the helicopter was above me. And it's very, very similar with this, this Manson dream. I was just, I'm watching it. He's in the electric chair. I'm watching it. And then suddenly I'm in the electric chair immediately. Sounds almost like he's remote viewing. Yeah, I'm getting a remote viewing. I'm also getting like that. um, Also, I guess maybe even a more primitive term like that. He's, um, it's prophetic. uh, What am I thinking? Skinwalker. Yeah, some of that. It's fascinating. Does that happen a lot? So you've got these two experiences with that. Yeah, actually, that'll happen frequently where, where I'm viewing something and then I'm, I flip into the position of, of whatever I'm viewing, even if it's like if I'm watching TV or watching a film in, in my dream, I, I will sometimes flip into first you know, person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And what else do you have? Uh, this is from 12, 28, 2017. I was tracking a Bigfoot through a cornfield. It seemed to be pulled up in a box sleeping in a junk pile. I beat on the side of the box with my staff, but it wouldn't come out. So I draped a magic net over it and said a magic word and shrunk the creature and the box it was in. I was still somewhat frightened of the thing, so I didn't open the box, but I was carrying it around. <laughs> I, and no, I don't know the, the magic word. I said, I wish I did. Wow. Why? But you still and have so- the magic blanket. With that, that you still have the magic cloth or blank. I forgot what it was. It was some sort of net. Yeah, a net. that was a joke. You don't. You forgot the word. But I still have the net. Oh, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Were you so in? So was it a fearful thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was. I was somewhat afraid of the creature, you know. But I was evidently not too afraid to carry it around. <laughs> so you felt you had control of it for sure. I yeah I, yeah I guess I did. And I, a lot of Bigfoot dreams I noticed going back here. So this is from this year, January 20th of this year. I was on a farm investigating a Sasquatch report. The creature was leaving sticks with peg-like structures. They were small, around eight inches or so. The people said the creature would sometimes sleep in a certain room of their house. I decided to sleep over in the room next to this, which became my room at the farm. So my, my childhood bedroom. The creature was sleeping in the equivalent of my sister's room which was right next to mine. I woke up and I could hear it snoring. I wanted to see it, but I was also afraid. It left a stick-like structure. It was that that I said it in, it looked like a chair rung on my bed. So there used to be a curtain that separated my room, my sister's room, uh, more than a door. It was like a a magnetically held curtain. I tossed this through the curtain between the rooms. I was trying to get its attention. It stirred, but then it started snoring again. I fell back to sleep myself in the dream and woke myself up snoring. I then pretended to snore for a bit and beat my feet on the wall to try to wake it up. Then I thought better of it, and then I woke up in real life. Do you? I'm getting a sense like you might be having communication with Sasquatch. You know, if you would have told me this even 
even at that time, I would have like, nah, no, that's nonsense. But uh, I, the more I look into this creature, it, it maybe I don't know. Uh, you know, I weird stuff with this creature. Yes, I, I was, I didn't even look at those stories until I had an experience, and um, like I didn't even, I didn't consider it wasn't on my radar at all, and I, I think I probably even poo pooed it. Um, and then I had an experience and then it changed <laughs> like the, the real and, um, but who I was with had the, the voice in the head. It was, mm. you know, it was like, you know, right there it was a communication. I was all, I saw it. It was a very visual, I mean, it was, it was ter- the most terrifying experience ever. It was in my bones scary. It was my hairs raised scary. I'm going to get eaten scary. But um, that telepathic thing seems especially with who I you know who is with that had the experience with that with the growl in his ear um makes me you know I can't help but ponder that that's a big part of the experience I'm I don't know much about I never went in deep into Sasquatch the Sasquatch world so I don't know if that's a common thing or what the uh, dreams that that there's a telepathic connection between you and and maybe it's because you're seeking them i don't know i'm feeling this telepathy going on yeah i i think probably it would be because because i was seeking them out um i think you know because like i said i think these things respond to belief and they respond to if you look for them i always say it's like the you know, putting on the, the one ring and the, the eye of Sauron with this stuff. You know, if you put the ring on, the, the eye is going to turn your way and look. Well, see, I didn't have any belief. I had nothing with them. It was a blank, I'm a blank slate with them. I learned so much after the experience about that footage in California, first footage, and I don't even know the name of it. Um, they weren't on my radar. That's why my experience, I feel, is really credible because mm-hmm. it just wasn't. I just didn't think about them. And I sure as hell don't go out to the deep wood like I used to. <laughs> like that was on Mount Hood. And I just won't do it. I'm very cautious now. Um, because I, to me, it was danger, danger, danger. Get the hell out. This is clearly what it was projecting at us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, okay, so I actually want to, I want to talk, and so I came into this tonight wanting to get into, I know that that's what you're talking about kind of recently. I I wanted to just tie that into dreams, and so I'm glad to hear that you're having all these dream experiences with them, and I want to get your idea, and that's kind of why I transitioned into asking about the telepathic connection you may have with them through the portal of dreams and um when i think we're more open to to things do you do you where do you stand now with all that is yeti sasquatch or bigfoot whatever however you want to view it um so when i first got into it i thought it was some undiscovered creature of some sort mm-hmm. and within a year of that and then when i seriously got into it i mean since like post writing my first book so you know in the past five years mm-hmm. so I, I, and within a year or so i think i went oh man there's something really weird about this it doesn't seem like a normal animal 
and then within another year of that i was like nah i don't i don't think it's a normal animal at all and that's that's where i stand now there's there's they're very very strange um they don't act like animals uh i mean they act like animals sometimes they act very much like primates sometimes they they um they have gorilla like things they do but there's also all this other weird stuff this this mind speak and this, this uh, the disappearing trackways and the 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 weird lights that are associated with them and and just one odd thing after another and, and i think what happens is if a hunter sees one in the woods when they're hunting they tend to see it one time and it looks very much like a natural creature or if someone sees it crossing the road uh you know when they're driving it looks very much like just a regular natural creature and i think at the point where you're seeing it it's it is as natural as as anything else you could reach out and touch it and it could reach out and touch you but the people who have repeat experiences with them things get very strange very quickly um you know from aportation to you know poltergeist activity and and all of this weird stuff just starts happening and uh, th that's what convinced me more than anything else that that there was something truly strange going on with these creatures yeah that's when i still grapple with i don't i mean i've i've allowed myself the reality of the experience but it i did for a long like immediately my head wanted to say this is a bear right i've been mm -hmm. around bears i've been i've i've been, been close accidentally too close to bears and um you know but then when i my mind wanted to tell me that and then i couldn't put in my I couldn't make it real that wow that head is it stood up like a human. What well, seen bears do that? Seen bears walk on two feet, and um, I mean hell, you can go to the circus and see that. But then it sidestepped, and the head, and the arms, and the smell. Oh my god, the smell, and um, and then then the presence. It was not you know like I think so. Seeing one, I can imagine. Let me put it this way: I can imagine being someone's maybe seeing driving and see one on the road and you're going to tell yourself it's a bear it's easy to do because there's there's a similarity with the color and um if it's down so i could see that and then our the way our brains work we want to associate right mm -hmm. and and so cover it up so i now wonder how many people actually do experience these things and just write it off as it's a bear because that's really what my mind kept wanting to tell me Oh, I, I, mean, I think that I think that happens a lot. I think I think people see them a lot, and they they follow it away in the in the in the nope file, you know, where there's just like nope, I'm not dealing yeah. with this. And uh, in fact, I've talked to you know I, I do paranormal conferences, and and uh, even sometimes I'll, I'll do uh, comic cons just to you know set up and sell my books there, and uh, sell my artwork and stuff. And I've had people come up and they're you know, you can tell they've never, they've never told anyone else, but they see somebody writes these books and they start telling stories. So I think a lot more people have seen them than, than we will ever know. And I do think people, uh, they, like I said, they followed away in the note file. This is not something I'm going to deal with. So. Are you coming down to Atlanta for Paramania? Maybe. I'll it's, be there. It's, it's, uh, if I can, if I can, we'll we'll see if I, I can manage it financially. It's not a bad drive. 
Yeah, it's just, uh, we, you know, we'll, we'll see. We... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot if you're a vendor. Uh, um, okay, so I, I want to get into a little bit. I just looked at the time. It always freaks me out how fast it goes. So I, I want to get into um, the philosophy here of what what you think is going on with all of this. And, and I want to segue into that via the phenomena of um, remote viewing, deja vu, and like precognitive dreams, if I can cluster those together. Do you have those experiences? Um, not, not on the regular. I don't, I remember when I was younger, especially having moments where I, I went, oh, I, I've dreamed about this. So this, which is, I guess, deja vu, right? Uh, I've dreamed this before. And, but I can't remember specific instances, you know, what they were, but I, I just, I remember telling, turning to my friend one time and, and saying, especially this was a, an elementary school friend, saying, I dreamed about this. I dreamed we did this already. Um, but other than that, you know, not too much that, that I know of as far as precognitive stuff or stuff predicting anything. That's so cool. So we, that's how all my experiences are. I can always locate it back to a dream. Usually it's right away. Like, Oh, I remember dreaming this. And, but sometimes when I have to push in and think about it further, it's like, Oh man, that dream was like, I was like two, you know, so long ago. And I remember it. Um, do you, so in that experience, do you generally remember the the dream around the experience you're actually having when it's happening? Like I said, I can only remember saying those words to my friend and, and just having the distinct impression like, oh, I dreamed this before. But I don't, at this point, I don't even remember what we were doing or, or anything else about the situation. But I, I specifically remember telling him, like, was, I dreamed this. We did this before. Or, or I dreamed that we did this. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, okay. So with that said, what do you think, what do you think that is? What do you think deja vu is? So with the context of now tied into dreams. Well, I mean, I think I, so it's all one big, you know, fabric, I think that, and time is, is laid over on itself. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, I think we organize it linearly so we don't go insane. Um, but it, it, you know, everything's happening at once. Um, so I think it's, you know, deja vu is just where, where things are rubbing together. You know, that time, those, the timeline's kind of rubbing together and we're, we're getting these, these familiar events again, I guess. Uh, but, I, and I think dreams, so we have this sort of uh, Newtonian physics world that we live in. Uh, you know, day to day, where where time is linear and and uh, and gravity controls everything, and et cetera, et cetera. But you know, there's ways. The other, which is my, my term for all these things, whether it's UFOs or Bigfoot or ghosts, or whatever, it, it likes to come out of nowhere and and sometimes smack us upside the head and and remind us that there's a whole wide world beyond that that we're living right beside us all the time. It's right there all the time. And I think there are different ways to access that. I think dreams are one way to access that. I think, you know, I think psychedelics are a way to access that. And, uh, you know, putting yourself in liminal spaces and, and et cetera, et cetera. There, you know, there's a number of ways to access that. But I, I think dreams are just 
just another way to sort of access that. So if we're getting this information, you, you know, it's it's like we're tapping into something that's that's always there, I think. What do you think the difference is between, say, dreaming, especially high lucid, even though I think you actually have high lucidity in your dreams from what I'm hearing, but perhaps you, you just are not associating it. Um, what do you think the difference is between what this is, waking life, and I say waking life and ground it into how collectively we experience waking life. We experience it as and how we're parsing it out, right, in a linear way. So yesterday happened yesterday, tomorrow's happening tomorrow. The stuff that happened yesterday or 30 years ago is no longer tangible except for through media, right? Mm -hmm. So what makes it more real than the dream you had yesterday? I mean, sometimes the dreams feel more real. I, Indeed. I, I've, I've had psychedelic experiences that felt way more real than than real life feels and, and i'll put real in quote uh so i i mean i have difficulty answering that question for, for that reason the the abduction experiences they were so vivid and i was so in the moment that you know like i said even though i never left my bed i i know they were real they, you, you know it's just what you know what what is real you know it's it, it's a very and that's one of those silly things you know when we define is or something like this i know but it's i just i i don't know how to put it any clearer than that like they were i, I was more aware and more in my person then than i am through you know most of of my waking life is it you know i i think it's all kind of a dreaming um but the the pragmatist is going to say, you know, very and it's, it's I love hearing all this from a Virgo, by the way, um, is going to say, but I can, you know, here I can cut myself, I can, you know, I, I die here, like I can cut myself and hurt and bleed out, in a dream I can do that and still carry on. Mm -hmm. So and it, it always is like. I guess that's a way I hear a lot of people separate the idea of the realities. But then, then you know, you can read great literature like from Herman Hesch and all that, where that's even a blurry line. Um, so that's, why I'm, I guess, what makes this experience we're having to you, because this is a, a show on, on the, the guest, in your opinions, that's all we care about. Um, what makes this experience we're having that we're calling waking life a reality where you know you have your kids and your wife and in your life what makes this more real why is it you could die here and you can't die in a dream well i mean certainly the rules are different you know uh, uh what happens to your your dreaming body or your astral body is not always what happens to your physical body so uh you know, you can you can die in a video game and not die in real life as well. It's just you're using a different um, portal for your or a, a different uh, uh, body or or a different uh, vehicle, let's say for for your mom. I often think like we get out of this experience, you know, we jump out like a you know like playing a VR game or something like Second Life or something, and you know, like ooh, 
that was that was fun but it was or even like ready player one all the stuff that's seeded to us now in the collective um that that we've just gotten so deep in it we get lost and and think now we get lost in the matter the density of how it actually we think it feels and um is it possible it's kind of like we're in a trap yeah maybe i mean i you know i think i think we probably need to learn to work these things together you know to have a and i'm i don't i don't think that i have this you know perfect dream life i think i think i could be more focused on things i could be uh, uh better about keeping records and, and more present i think in my dreams but but i think it, you know ideally we'd have this sort of uh this good physical life where we're we're nice and healthy and uh we exercise and we have healthy relationships and then we have this healthy dream life as well and and i think uh you know it's it's hard to be perfect on either side of that equation you what are your thoughts on reincarnation um you know the only thing i can say is is I, I look at nature and it seems like that something new grows out everything else that dies. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it seems, you know, I don't know if, if we get to retain exactly what we were in any, in any sense, but it seems like nature's kind of teaching us that, that something like that happens. Yeah. Nature is my model for everything. Like when I really need answers, it's where I go. I draw it all from nature um i don't know why it just seems it seems natural <laughs> yeah I mean, um it, do it, you if you're the kind of person that that it just you know so, so my best my best friend and and bandmate um his wife asked him and and we just our our sort of spiritual structure is has linked up in in very strange ways from i mean he was raised catholic as well he is a very a, you know a thing for the the uh, virgin mary but he's this is very sort of pagan structure that he's laid over top of it and with me it's mm -hmm. more of a, an animist thing but we just we just kind of jived on this and and his his wife asked him one time he said how how can you do this how can you marry this catholic stuff with with this paganism and and just you know you're breaking all the rules <laughs> like for, for her there were very specific rules that you know that you're breaking and and, <laughs> and and he turned to her and he said something and this is one of the most wonderful things that ever happened for me because it gave me a way to talk about this that, that i didn't have before and he said some things hum and some things do not hum and i follow those things which hum mm. and that was the most beautiful and perfect expression of that 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 I've ever heard, and and I'm so thankful for, for him for saying that because that's that's the only thing I can say. Like when it comes to that stuff, some things hum, some things do not hum. And you know, for me, certainly nature and animism, and and as much as a as it goes against, you know, it's it's a it's a hard uh, thing for people to wrap their head around. Just as when I say Bigfoot is both a spiritual creature and and a you know perfectly natural thing that leaves footprints and hair behind. A hard thing for people to wrap their head around i know but uh, when i say i am a, a marian animist it's very very hard for people to and i understand that but that's the only thing i can say is some things hum and some things do not and and i will follow those things which hum. 
I find that deeply profound. You know, it's funny. One of my all-time favorite YouTubers is she considers herself a Christo pagan, Mother Moon Monastery, Jackie Dubois. She blends all that seamlessly. And then we have, of course, we have religions that came up by blending the old and then look at hoodoo and voodoo and, and santeria. And I mean, there's so much magic that happens in this melding. What about, okay, so in your dreams, again, dead people and um, particularly, well, dead people. So, and better yet, if you know them, have you seen people that have passed in your dreams yes. besides Barney? Both both my parents have uh, died in the past year. I've had dreams about oh, wow. both of my parents. I've had dreams about my, uh, my dear beloved um, maternal grandmother who, who I loved. Uh, so much i've had dreams about her as well did you so with these i'm sorry to hear that by the way to you both your parents in this last year that's hard um did you dream before they passed or how no. did they show up no um my mom had ms a uh, very very um bad progressive ms and she was in a nursing home for for the last you know over a decade of her life is in a nursing home. In my dreams, she's healthy and she's walking around, which is which is kind of beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. uh, because she, you know, she didn't. My my mom raised six kids and basically got MS. Oh know, man, that's wheelchair. rough. Yeah, it was. Uh, but she was, you know, she's a great mother and uh, very very dedicated mother. And, and uh, so when she shows up and she's all walking around and vibrant, do, do you talk with her? Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 very normal, you know. Uh, it's it seems to be placed back in time, even though you know it feels now, and I and I'm at this age now. But it, you know, she seems she used to like to go, you know, shopping with with my aunt and and uh, this and that. So she's she's you know talking about that, or or she's uh, preparing a meal. One time she was preparing a meal. My mom was a great cook, so. Um, you know, she's, when, doing, she's doing very normal activities, but she she's she's doing them. You know, she's not wheelchair bound or anything. Right, and and there's a lot to be. There's a lot. I wish I had more time. There's so much you said about that. Does she ever? Um, so when you encounter her, when you first start encountering her, at least, were you emotional about it, or was it just this is the next phase with her? It was very matter of fact, and and with when I dreamed about my father as well, it's just very very matter of fact. Um, like it didn't seem out of the ordinary. I was like, Oh mom, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't, at least to my knowledge, I didn't recognize that, that they had passed, you know, in my dream. It, it just seemed like, Oh, they're, you know, they're, they're here. What about your grandmother? Um, my grandmother, the, the times I've, I've talked to her, I think, and I can't tell you anything specifically she said, but, but everything I've taken is like, she is more like a wisdom figure. She comes back and she will talk to me. And, uh, you know, I don't think she's, I, I can't remember, you know, it's been some years since I had a, a dream with her in it, but she's, it's, it's a very definite conversation we have, um, which is, I, I spent a lot of time, with my grandmother, uh, probably more than, than any of my siblings or any of our other grandkids. Cause my mom, uh, my mom didn't work until, until I was a kid. And then so she would drop me off at, at uh, my grandmother's a lot. So, and 
like I said, I just I just had this wonderful relationship with her. Yeah, I, I love mine too. She's my favorite. Um, my one that was born on April Fool's Day. She so when she's talking to you, you always feel like she's giving you wisdom or it's all, yeah, it's it's advice or it's she used to tell me stories and I I loved her stories. Uh, I remember my mom and my siblings are like, oh, Nana, she just, she just always talks and she talks too long. I loved it. She was a flapper in the 20s. She, you know, oh. she wild kind of, you know, <laughs> youth and, uh, you know, wild for the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love flappers. Yeah. And, and she, I just love these stories. And, and you know, she, she told me the story. She was a wonderful baker, too. Like, uh, uh, amazing. I remember... Uh, sitting with her one time I was like nana you got to teach me how to make these pies because you know at some point you're going to be gone and then these pies and she says okay i'll teach you and i thought there'd be a recipe no she just a scoop of this with her hand she just yes. <laughs> and she just knew how to do it she didn't have any recipe and she's like you just do this and I was like, oh okay i'll never be able to do that <laughs> but uh, oh that's my kind of gal yeah she, she was she was wonderful so it's it's a very very comforting very you know there's always a discussion um, it seems like she she always has something to tell me. And again, I, I wish I had journaled those because it's probably, you know, would be wonderful stuff to have, whatever she told me. When she pop, would pop in, did you just, of course, this is on your memory, but was it in times when you actually needed her or was was it random? I think it was random. I, you know, I, I think it was, it was pretty pretty random. And then I'll wrap it up on this, even though I don't want to. Um, what do you think? Of, so what's the process of death? What's the lesson of what's the lesson therein? Oh, boy. What's going on with that? I know it's always a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it's, it's impermanence. It's, you know, nothing gets to, to be here forever. And, uh, I think, you know, I guess that's, that's the beginning and end of it, I guess. Um, it's, you know, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard lesson. I think in some ways, uh, you know, the Buddhists have, have a good grasp on it. Uh, the, the idea that just, you know, impermanence is, is, a, it's everything, you know. How, so how do you feel about it? Are you, how do you feel about death personally, about your death? Um. I mean, you know, I've been obsessed with it since I was a little kid. I've I've drawn skulls, I've collected animal skulls and and uh always, you know, I was I was the goth kid in in you know, college and and obsessed with with sort of uh, that culture of of death and morbidity, but um I don't think I'm I'm anywhere near as prepared for it as as i'd like to be i think one of the reasons i create constantly is to leave something because i know how impermanent i am mm -hmm. i feel like i need to leave something behind mm -hmm. um and i think uh there's a chance that that creations can you know will affect people uh going forward you know after i'm gone and and i don't know if that's an entirely healthy thing at all um but i can say is you know as i get older i think i'm i'm settling into you know more into it where it's not not something i want to rush into but it's not something i'm extremely terrified of anymore yeah it's 
aging is weird. It is, I've never actually been afraid, afraid of it, you know, but it's always been so close to me. But it, it, aging, you know, inevitably brings you closer to the idea of it. Yeah, I mean, it's inevitable. We're, we're all going there. You know? yeah, totally. It's like, you know, you're checking out. But Four, four out of five dentists agree that 10 out of 10 people die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it is, um, it's an interesting ponder. I, I actually, I've always been so close to death. I mean, I've had no choice. So I pondered a lot. But process of aging is really brings it into light and makes it more real whereas mm -hmm. like with the 20 year old me or the 10 year old me or the 30 year old me was it was still felt like it was so far away and um even though that's such an illusion we tell ourselves it could be the next second um but it, it's the concept of it is way more tangible and we're not even old <laughs> you know <laughs> like so I don't think we are. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. This has been great. I don't know if there are questions. Um, I have no idea. I've been listening. <laughs> have you asked? No, the 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 bot does that. Um, only one person in chat. Mary, do you have any questions? <laughs> oh, Mari, is it M I M A R I? Mari. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Mari. I'm not in there. I just clicked over and I see we have over 20 watching, but I'm not going to click in the chat. <clears throat> There's no one there. No, no questions. Sorry. Oh, I'm getting a weird YouTube thing saying you can't chat. You can't. No, it says you can. It's like, um, please abide by our community guidelines. It's the YouTube Thought Police. Oh, my God. Well, good. Then I can go a little bit longer um, if it's all right. Yeah, I'm fine. We need to. Yeah. So what? So what do you think the? So with all this, where do you think like the idea of spirit and soul fit in? Um. I mean, in a, in regards to what, like. In in regards to waking life and how we experience waking life which is we experience waking life by having dreams and by having memories and then by projecting to the future and then um beyond that thinking in an esoteric kind of way which is if you're a christian then you're thinking about that whole pantheon and you know like in the totality of it all i i guess i and i you know this just came to me now this is nothing i've i've worked out on paper or anything but i guess i would think of the the soul and the spirit just being this kind of pinion in the middle with these other things sort of rotating around or or maybe the uh maybe the soul's rotating and and you're facing the dream and then you you're facing the you know the uh, physical world and then you're facing et cetera et cetera so these these things just sort of i feel like the spirit is centered ideally mm -hmm. And everything else sort of, you know, is a satellite. So if you think like, so put on your occult hat and think like, and, and then put on your pop culture hat with it or the, you know, the tassel on top of it and see and go into like folklore with me. So selling your soul to the devil. What is that really? I've never, I've always wondered what that's about. And so what do you think about that? 
because in that idea, so from that context, we have it as a commodity, right? It's something you can trade or sell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's more of a symbol than than giving a physical thing. You you have symbolically given over, you, you know, that most uh, inner aspect of yourself. You know, the the one thing that that you should keep, you know, holy. You have symbolically given to this uh, being of, of great evil. Yeah, it's, I still, I still don't understand. Like I, I've, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's so permeate, it's everywhere in full core and it's, you know, it's juicy. I love full core and, um, and from like, and all the mythos from Robert Johnson selling his soul at the crossroads. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, just, it's everywhere. And I've often wondered um it, it's it's like i mean even in the egyptian stuff they're weighing you know it's getting there's a part, aspect or sense that it is also getting weighed your heart your heart soul is getting weighed against the feather of ma and all this and uh, it's there seems like there's a lot of emphasis on it being more than etheric mhm mm yeah, I mean, but but are these all symbols? So the the thing with folklore and mythology is, it's a combination of symbols and and stories and and uh, tales and and things that were real, you know. So so the Bible, you know, Jesus gets very upset at his disciples because they don't understand he was he was speaking an allegory. You know, he gets mad at right, it. Like, right. Don't you understand? Like, I'm telling these are allegories. These aren't real. I'm I'm telling you these stories. And I've always found it uh, amazing that people can't apply that backwards to say, like, like, well, maybe, maybe there, the Old Testament was a lot of allegory too. You know, right. But, uh, but at the same time, there is history in there as well. You know, there's there's some definite history. So you have this this mix, and, and folklore is the same way. I think folklore has these real events, I think a lot of folklore is what amounts to, you know, cryptid reports of the time that have, that have been interpreted through the lens of that culture. And then of course, all folklore is whispering down the lane. So it's going to change over time. Mm -hmm. um, so, but then I, I think some folklore is just fun stories too. Like, you know, that get passed down. They have no basis in, in anything that happened here. And it's always difficult to parse out, which is, which is which I think. Yeah, definitely. It's um I mean I just love pondering all this stuff. It's amazing that I never get tired of it. My whole life like this this general subject matter has still has me fascinated because a lot of it, really in fact most of it, no matter how hard science really tries to close in on it or poo-poo it, it's still there's still a veil around so much of it. Yeah, and and that's because I think so. You you have your your hard uh, your hard physical science person, and I say this in, in my most recent book. They always demand that that extraordinary re claims require extraordinary evidence, but they never look for extraordinary evidence. <laughs> <laughs> they look for the most normal, mundane evidence there is. Uh, and you know, when you're talking about extraordinary things. Uh, maybe the evidence we need is extraordinary. Maybe we need to be looking at dreams and visions and, you know, not discount things because 
someone experienced it while on psychedelics and you know look for this extraordinary kind of evidence instead of these these very mundane kind of things i don't you know i don't think for for all the years we've been tracking bigfoot and i always go back to that it's just because that's kind of where i live but it, the same applies for flying saucers for instance or aliens say for all the years we've been tracking this stuff and for all the claims of people who have caught them we never have when people get bodies they always disappear the evidence mm -hmm. always disappears 100 percent of the time disappears these giant skeletons that people say they find okay that you know they documented them and then they disappear where are they mm -hmm. well the, well the smithsonian has them in secret place. okay so they're still disappeared you know you 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 can't access them we can't look at them right right they're way. still out of our view but, yeah the, but that just makes it it leaves it as a story as a myth. It's a mystery. It's a myth. Yes. It's a myth. Mm -hmm. And this adds yeah. to our experience too. I mean, it's it's another layer in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think I mean I think that's part of the story. The idea that this evidence always disappears. You know, two or three times a year, somebody will say, "I shot and killed Bigfoot." Always, body always disappears. Always disappears. Hundred percent of the time. Either either uh, they'll they'll leave to go get their buddies to pick it up and. And uh, they'll come back and it'll be gone. And then they go, oh, the, the Bigfoot troop came and dragged the body away back so, you know, we wouldn't find it or whatever. Or, uh, you know, the mysterious black van pulls up and confiscates. There's a, it, you know, there's so much, there's so much to it. And a lot of people, of course, write about this, not just you, like Joseph Campbell and Jung talked about it. I mean, everyone has. And um, because it's fascinating, and I think that we're constantly, looking to the other to 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 garner meaning to break out of the the mundane reality that feels like because it sh the mundane reality generally feels like we're in a, a trap you know where it's it can be sadly devoid of meaning get up and go to work and and, and make sure your bills are paid and like it just can it can be gritty and um but i think there's actually more to it all so those are my guns. I'm sticking to them. I, I, I would agree. I think, I think we need it in some way. And I think when we try to ignore it, it'll come, you know, not all the time, but often it'll, it'll come out of the darkness and smack you upside the head. You know? mm -hmm. Right. And anyone that does have experiences, and this is the thing about dreams, you can have these experiences through the portal of dreams. And it, if you allow yourself suspension of disbelief you can go somewhere with it yeah and and i think that's what i was getting at before when when i was talking about mike cleland who told me you know when i when i said i was kind of like you know he was like tell me about these these abduction events and i was like well i don't think i was abducted i don't think i ever left my bed and he said no that's that's exactly what i say about mine and it validated the experience right there for me mm -hmm. and I think it's very important that it does count if it's in your dream. It does count if it's in a psychedelic experience. It counts. And I think for years, I, I, I kind of wrote some of these things off. It's like, well, it was just a dream probably, you know, but no, it, it does. It absolutely counts. You know, this, it's the, it's a thing. <laughs> it, it, I think a lot of people want so much other people to believe it or even have experienced it with them that they get convinced that it was a hallucination or whatever. Right. So, and they discount it as being an experience, but again, it's, it's a personal thing that adds to your personal story collection, your narrative, mm -hmm. your narrative, it's building your narrative, you know, 
So I, that's my little thread that I always that I'm looking at. But yeah, yeah, everyone's building these mini piles of stories, and it shapes them into the people they become. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, I've always said that I've kind of spent my life building a, a sort of personal mythology. And I'm sure everyone does. Um, but uh, that, that's, that's very much what it is for me. It's, it's part of my, my sort of personal mythology. Yeah, and my personal mythology, space is fake. <laughs> right. Well, this is, this is where we allow ourselves this, this freedom to ponder. I, in my personal reality right now, I'm seriously, I've asked this question before, but the older I get, the more I'm revisiting it. And it's out in the surface again for me. Who is really the dreamer? Mm. Who's really a dreamer? I've now taken myself out of first person. And, um, you know, in the end, I think, because I believe everything has a certain sentience, every, it's all about density and matter. For me, this is where I'm with everything right now of course this change everything changes for me constantly um but you know the sophia thing like is the is the earth the dreamer the entity of earth whatever you want to call her or it um or he um who's the dreamer and i think for a long time i thought for myself that it my ego says i'm of course well i'm the dreamer of course it's me Right. You know, uh, of course. And not only am I the dreamer, I'm very important in this experience. <laughs> um, and now I really, really am, am questioning that altogether. I, I think that's a wonderful way to look at it. It reminds me of very recently um, on last podcast on the left, one of the guys was talking about the alien experience as a shared psychedelic experience between the human and, and these, these other entities. And I think that's an amazing way to put it. Very similar to what you're talking about with the dream, I think. It's sort of almost the shared experience. And there's something freeing about that. But what if it's not? What if it's some nefarious group of humans doing this? Well, yeah. there's that too. I yeah. mean, see, in my question, it's, it's open. I don't know who the dreamer is. And when I look around and I check in with other people in this alleged reality we're having, and I, I turn on news and I look around, I'm like, well, there's a lot of really crazy, nefarious stuff going on. And I am not assuming I'm the dreamer anymore. So what is this collective little situation we have going on? Because it's, it's definitely not asgard i mean you know it's not it's not heaven it's not you know there's agitation here for sure mm -hmm. yeah I, I, there's dark stuff going on very Come much on. so very much so and i think well i mean the, you know the other isn't isn't free from you know it's not this wonderful land of you know new age rainbows and and fairies it's a dark place it can be it can be very dark it can be wonderful it can be exciting but some very, very dark things um, can happen. It, it can scare the pants off you. It can, it, can, uh, it can attempt to hurt you. And sometimes it can hurt you, I think. Yeah. And, you know, this is, and a lot, I'm saying dark, especially as a kid, you know, that wave of goth that you came up in, that same, you know, we had Susie Sue, all, all this where my world is very Adam's family anyway. So my dark looks very dark to a lot of people. In fact, a lot of people are actually scared of me, which is hilarious. But um, 
No, when I'm talking dark, I don't mean, I'm not talking hocus pocus here. The stuff collectively that's coming to the surface is dark. You know, pedo rings, all the stuff that you can, like I said, you can turn on and there's really dark stuff that's now being talked about openly mm-hmm. and a lot all over this very, very dark and um, and not in the glamorous way. And so it, it, you know, that's a heavy contrast. That's, there's a lot of gravity to the actual sense of darkness in this reality that we're collectively experiencing as well and of course i think it would be utterly boring to have whatever that whatever you know where rainbows are running around you know like unicorns are farting rainbows and all that wherever there's no agitation then there's no call to consciousness so we need it but it's just intriguing that how dark the collective is right now in my life it's never been any darker this is really these are dark times yeah i mean you know, you go back far enough, we used to eat each other. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, but I'm talking in context to our, our experience. But so. doesn't every generation find their current situation the darkest it's ever been? I mean, it's, it just seems like it's a repeating loop. It, it, it does it's, seem like it's repeating, but... It, crank, it cranks time, up for your own personal perception of what's going on. It, I think, it I think the boomers that. had didn't have it. They had Vietnam right and that was dark yes that was dark but you know because i keep hearing like when when we're talking about all this stuff recently and someone's like well it's not as bad as it was in the 60s now i don't know you know i wasn't there i was born at the end of that but um we had 9-11 it was same same thing well that's an american perspective what if you're you know what if you're in a really war-torn area you know, I mean, come on. True. So, yeah, I, don't, I mean, is it is it the twenty four hour media cycle we have that that you know bad news sells? You know, do we do we just hear about it? You know, certainly, I mean, certainly priests were molesting kids before we ever heard about it. But and, right, all that, but add in how those narratives are now expanding, where they're they're they're. You know, like that that particular narrative where they have where they've got breeding programs with humans breeding programs to perpetuate those needs for those people doing those things to those kids that don't bring attention to them by doing these things in public now by s- snatching them as much as they used to and all this i mean there's dark real you know real grains of real threads of nasty yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's not in my, in my personal world is very enchanted and, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I, that stuff's not rearing up here, but it's. It's in the background. It's in the background. And it just all seems dreamlike. You, you, yeah. you cut out, we didn't hear what you said. Oh, it's just, I'm just saying it's all intriguing and viewing it from like a, say a dream perspective. All I'm seeing now with all of this is a call to lucidity. That's what all this is, is telling me is like, oh, it's a time to actually realize. It's a wake up call. It's mm. a, literally a wake up call. Mm. You're, you're here now. Be here now. It's the and, proverbial slap in the face till you get it. <laughs> 
It gets harder mm-hmm. and harder and harder. How absurd does it get before you just say, wow, <laughs> you know, what the this fuck? This is fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and I mean, are, are dreams a way for, for those of us who, you know, I would love to be able to snap my finger and stop war and, uh, and stop every pedophile ring and, and everything that's bad in the world. But obviously I can't do that. And I have very little power to affect uh, change in that myself, but are, are dreams a way to, to start to affect that change? If, especially if you can manifest lucidity. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much, there's so much here to dive into. Man, I, I've just, I can't, I can't believe there are no questions for you. I do have one. <clears throat> okay, good. This is great, man. Timothy, you've got some intense content. Oh. I was worried. I didn't know. I didn't think I was going to have enough, honestly. Dude, I feel like your tribe. We never ask people <laughs> to come with stories, you know, because it doesn't, it's nice to have them, but they're never required. And uh, definitely the show peaks, or it definitely triggers things in some people they'll remember stuff as we go along. Yeah. And people don't even have to come with dreams. Right. We can talk the philosophy of dreams all day and all night it, it, because it's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, like I was seriously, I was like, wow, because, you know, I listened to some of the shows and I'm like, oh, some of these people have wonderful stories. I'm not, I'm not sure. If, like, I was like, oh, well. <laughs> Holy cow. You brought some amazing, cl- yeah. your recurring um, dreams. Lord. I mean, I want to dig into just the idea that you've been seriously <laughs> abducted and basis stuff. Just, I want to go down that rabbit hole with you. Someday. Yeah, no, I mean we can't. It's not really a Noxmente full-on Noxmente thing, sure. um, but the that obelisk like, thing. It is totally Jerry and I's mm. other show mm. that we're working on. All right, I got the question. Okay, cool. Uh, what is your feel? What are your feelings about the Fae and whether Josh Cushion's outlook has changed your beliefs? Uh, Josh Cushion has out has changed my what? Your beliefs. Um. Your feelings towards the faith. I think that's what you meant. It's it's not so much that he changed my beliefs. It's he certainly opened a window to another way of talking about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, he he got me there faster probably than I would have on my own. But I think I would have just because I, I love folklore so much. I think I would have gotten there eventually. Uh, Josh and I are writing a book together now, so you know we're. I can't say we're of one mind, but we're, you know, we, we walk uh, arm in arm uh, with this stuff, uh, cool. at least most of the time. I think that's all I got. So cool. But, um, did, did you ask him if, let me, I'll ask, have, your, have you found a constant pattern or pattern where your dreams influence your work or give you ideas in your work? Have your um, dreams influenced your work? Not consistently. I have uh, the, the most powerful instance of that is I dreamed one time that I was playing a claw hammer banjo version of John Barleycorn, which is not a claw hammer banjo song in any way, shape, or form. And I woke up, grabbed a banjo, like middle of the night, woke up, grabbed a banjo, and immediately started playing the song as I had played it in the dream and uh, ended up recording it. Uh, and it worked <laughs> like, I don't, you know, so that's the most, you know, dramatic example of that. 
It's an example. It's great. So, um, Tim, where can people find you? You want to tell you, it's your time right now to plug yourself. So. Sure. Uh, strangefamiliars.com. That's my podcast, but all that contact information goes to me. And if you want copies of my books, I have four books out now. Uh, Beyond the Seventh Gate, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, Bigfoot West Coast Wild Men, and Don't Look Behind You has just been published recently. You can get all those on Amazon, or if you want signed copies, you can get them from me at strangefamiliars.com. Right, and I've got all those links, uh, Amazon too, I'm pretty sure, in the show notes and in the description of this video. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Timothy. This was great. And definitely, we, we would love to have you on the sh other show we were creating. Sure. Just get in touch. I'm happy to do it. This is great. And thank you, everyone that listened in and talked in the chat. You know I love you. I love our core group. Yes, they're awesome. And I want to thank everyone. I want to thank Tim again for coming on. And be sure to tune in next week. We'll have MJ Dixon from UK Paranormal. She's pretty awesome. Has great stories about haunted places and ghosts. And she's interesting. <laughs> and what else do I have to mention? Oh, please uh, remember to subscribe to our channel. We're trying to get over a thousand subscribers finally to reach that that hump. So, I any, know any support. It's, it's, it's been our little forever. underground slow show is such a slow grower, Jerry. That there's a joke in there. <laughs> I can't think of it. It's I like it. That. Slow I don't grower. Wanna, I don't want to go there. <laughs> oh, I know. Sorry. Our subscriptions Sorry. need a blue pill. So weird. Anyway. All right. So everyone, you have a great night. We'll see you next week, and that's all for me. <laughs>